It's another episode of From the Resort Podcast. I'm your uh, networking number cruncher who podcasts people's perspectives. It's uh, Tim Wilshire. Uh, today's guest is uh, is a, a good new friend of mine here in Queenstown. Uh, he's, uh, his face is all around town pretty much, I think, from time that, that you see him in the paper. Uh, he's in Rotary. He's in... Um, round, it's, uh, it's not Round Table, is it? Is it? Toastmasters. Toastmasters, yeah. Scott, Scott Donaldson, welcome along to the podcast. Can't get away from me. <laughs> yes, uh, first up, I just want to obviously, uh, one thing I did see in, in the local rag on at the mountain scene is that you, you've now moved up to the deputy uh, position or the deputy chair position uh, with the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So um, Craig Douglas was the, the chairman for the last two years, I think, and did a fantastic job, and uh, he's moved on. Mm. And uh, uh, Angela Spackman, who's um, been the deputy chairman for the last period, she's uh, moved up to chair, uh, chairperson, uh, quite rightly, and uh, there was an opening there, so uh, I thought I'd been on the, 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 the chamber for long enough and, uh, yeah, jumped in on Interesting. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about the chamber, uh, I guess, throughout the podcast. Also, just to let everyone know, in the introduction, I forgot to say that you're obviously a solicitor working for AWS Legal. That's right. Um, so we'll have a chat a bit about, a bit about that uh, as well in the podcast. But we would like to start, I guess, these podcasts is letting, you know, we'd we'll, we'll like to find out where, you, where were you born, where did you come from, where, where did you live early in life, Scott? So born in Invercargill and uh, lived there for the first 18 years of my life. Uh, um, went to uh, Targa University for a couple of years and I actually uh, I dropped out um, uh, studied English literature and uh, computer science actually originally and then I um, moved over to Queenstown for a while yeah, well, and, we'll backtrack a little bit. But yeah. So we've been in Vicargo. Tell yeah. us about what it was like growing up there. I mean, was it sort of a, did it feel like a small town feel or what? Yeah, yeah. Vicargo then was quite a different place than it is now, actually. Um, when I, so I was born in 1982 in, in yep. Vicargo through the, through the 90s, through the 80s and 90s. Uh, you're familiar with Invercargill? I've been there yeah. just once, I think, or twice. Yeah. It's actually a great city, but it was a pretty sort of depressed place uh, because the sort of early 1980s reforms had... Uh, See, is, sort it, of, is it sort of got the um, reputation of being stuck in the 70s or 80s? It did. It did for a long time. Not so much now. Um, it, it was a pretty, you know, uh, not a very culturally diverse sort of place, really, you'd say, um, then, but now it is. And uh, so the 80s and 90s, it was sort of famous as being the, 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 the fastest declining population in New Zealand year on year. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the, the thing about Invercargill was basically you got to 18 and the, the, the sort of the trope was that the smart people left and the dumb people stayed. And um, that's that's I don't, that's not true, but yeah. that was sort of what was what was sort of said. And so, consequently, there was a sort of a this sense in Invercargill that everything that's good had already had already happened. Yeah. You know, all your all your rugby clubs, all your cricket clubs, and churches and stuff that all sort of had their heyday. Yeah. And it was just a gradual decline into. Sort of crap. Yeah. Uh, so that was what Invercargill was like, and then, and then the dairy boom hit. So I left in two thousand when I was eighteen. Yeah. And the dairy boom sort of was hitting about that time. Um, about the time of the turn of the century. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then that yeah. brought a lot of uh, money into town, um, and also a lot of. Uh, yeah, people from outside the region, um, a lot of Filipinos came, uh, a lot of Indians, and then from there um, there was the sort of international education boom, really you'd call it. Okay. And that was so the Southern Institute of Technology, uh, which is the Polytech down there, um, really good organisation, and really the community mm. kind of got behind it and then just brought all these international students into town. And the, the thing about Invercargill is there's this kind of belief that Invercargill was a bit of a kind of a racist backwater. 
Um, but actually, the, the opposite is true. Because Invercargill was sort of declining for such a long period, they, um, uh, oh yeah, pe- people really want outsiders simply because like their little sort of community structures were sort of failing for lack of people, mm. and then all of a sudden you had people in their mm. their their twenties and who were coming to town oh, for yeah. S- for the for SIT and. Um, you know, for the dairy industry and so on, and um, people—it doesn't matter what, where they come from, yeah. <laughs> yeah. whether they're Indian or Pakistani or Sri Lankan or Brazilian or whatever. Like people just, just love the fact that suddenly the church groups have got young, enthusiastic people, mm. or suddenly the sports clubs have mm. have got new people, and you know. And so people are really open, and 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 you'll find that migrants integrate really well down in Invercargill, whereas probably in other places they don't, okay. simply because, um, you know, I think migrants tend to integrate a lot better when there's sort the you know the, the, they don't hang out together as much. Yeah. <laughs> I so I guess. Living, growing up there, and um, what did what did your parents actually do? Uh, when, obviously, for a living. Um, my mother was a nurse. Yeah, she's a midwife now. Mm-hmm. My father was a school teacher. Okay, so there's normal sort of yeah good jobs. Yeah, my dad was actually a very good rugby player. Um, he played for Southland for many years, and uh, he actually played in an All Black trial. Okay. Um, good player. Uh, probably he was a bit unusual for the time. He was, he, he's he's a reasonably biggish guy, but not big. But you know, he'd be waiting, waiting. No, about the same height, but broader, sort of chest. And, yeah. um, and he played on the wing, which was a bit unusual for that time. It probably lacked a yard of, yard of speed, but good player. Yeah. Sounds like it. And um, he was a good sort of cricket player as well. He, he, he played for Southland at cricket. And uh, at the time, uh, when, he, when he was 14, and at the time there were seven New Zealand players playing for Southland. Yeah. Back when, back when uh, you know, All Blacks and, Black, and New Zealand cricketers used to play for Hawke's Bay and Manawatu and Southland. And <laughs> now, of course, they all gravitate towards Christchurch and... Yep. Auckland and Wellington and stuff, but that was what it was like back in the seventies and stuff. Yeah, that's no, interesting. So yourself, you, I think sports that you sort of uh, played growing up. Obviously, yep. you played. You would have played rugby and you would have played cricket. Oh, I actually played soccer and soccer. Okay. Yeah, no, I never played rugby, mm. um, which used to sort of get the ire of people around town. But I was, I mean, I, I'm okay. I, I never set the world on fire at any sport. Yeah. Um, reasonably okay cricketer. Uh, I've I've always found it's you can never really gauge a person's cricketing ability from what they tell you it is. But I think <laughs> yeah, the amount of times I've been told, oh, uh, you know, this guy's such a good cricketer, and it turns out to be rubbish. And then I've, someone tells me that they're not such a good cricketer, and they turn out to be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I was okay at cricket. Um, was that what, you, what was your favourite sport growing up, and what did you enjoy the most? Probably football, yeah, just because it was. Um, I guess it depends on your sort of group at the time, but uh, yeah, I had a real good bunch of guys who played football with, and as in soccer, yeah. as in soccer, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, was, what sort of position time. did you play? Or? Uh, midfield, midfield, yeah, occasionally striker. Mm. Um, did you sort of follow the English Premier League growing up? No, nah, not at all. No, nah, never really got into it. Okay, or the, yeah. or I guess, would you watch the World Cup soccer growing yeah. up? Yeah, 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 but only as a sort of casual observer. Yeah. Um, and it's the difference between football, but with between rugby and soccer, is soccer yeah. lots of people play and then don't watch, and lots of rugby. Very few people play, but lots of people watch. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, 
Let's, uh, can you remember what your first job was? First job? Yeah. Um, used to, my, my uncle's got a, a, a construction company and I used to do holidays um, as a builder's labourer, digging holes, carrying... So it's a hard work then. Yeah, yeah, d- uh, carrying building materials into sites and sitting on a wheelbarrow and, uh, yeah, yeah, hard work, actually. That's an interesting, I mean, most of the time you, you don't hear, I mean, you get, but this sometimes can be an early job, but yeah, the very first job to get, get yeah, shoveling. And, yeah, yeah, it's hard work, very hard work. So, right at the start, we were talking about, um, you know, your first stint at uni, so tell us yeah. a bit about that and how, how did that, you know, obviously you, you were 18 at the time and you moved away from Invercargill, went to, yeah. went to Dunedin. Went to Dunedin, I didn't really know what I was, what I wanted to do at that stage. Yes, a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Well, you Sometimes just... you sort of, you, when you go to uni, I mean, the case is, okay, you know, you go through high school, you still don't really know what you want to do by the end yeah. of high school. And you're saying, okay, what sort of uni degrees, is, you know, well, this is the way I was thinking. A lot of people think differently. But, you know, what sort of uni degree is going to give me multiple options? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit about... What's the swearing policy on your podcast? You can say whatever you want, mate. We just, just make it unrated. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of bullshit when it comes to uni. I mean, I, I, I studied English and computer science, and I was a very unconscientious student at the time. Young. Um, yeah, just... Uh, Smoked a bit too much pot, probably, um, and uh, just generally didn't apply myself very well because I didn't know what to do. You know, you lack when you lack purpose. Mm. It's hard to sort of get yourself motivated, and I wasn't sort of motivated by I don't know anything that I was studying. I think that applies to a hell hell of a lot of students actually. Um, and so after your first thing you said you did sort of drop out after a while or yeah dropped out after two, i think it's two and a half years so it was two and a half years though yeah before you yeah dropped out yeah um and then what did you do when you dropped out then? i actually uh i came over to queenstown yeah and um i had worked i worked for a couple of summers on the vineyards this is prior to when I was... Sort of out in this area? Or? Yeah, at Gibson Valley. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I... Uh, I worked for a, a, a car rental company. There's a few of those in town. Yeah. Do you know Charlie Phillips? No, it doesn't ring a bell. He's but... uh, at the Queenstown Resort College. Okay. Yeah, he's a good man. He... Uh, he was my. He was the manager at the car rental company at that stage. Uh, so clean cars for a while. Bit of detailing. Yeah, bit of detailing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I worked as like a customer service officer for a while, and then I I moved up to Christchurch to work for the same company for about a year. Same car rental company. Yeah. Same car rental company. Yeah. Europe car it was. It was National Car Rental when then it got bought by Europe Car. Europe, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the bigger ones. Yeah, that's right. So up in Christchurch, how long did you last up there before you got sick of it? <laughs> <laughs> one year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Christchurch is... Yeah. Actually, got a lot of friends who live in Christchurch. Yeah, they seem to like it. Yeah. She's got a lot of fam- a bit of family that live up that way. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's got. I'm sure it's got its um, good points, but um, yeah, there's just sort of a general attitude in Christchurch that is doesn't really appeal to me that much. Mm. So then, back down here after the year, or no, I moved to Australia after that. Oh yeah, yeah. Where did you you lived in? I lived in Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. Lived in, lived in Melbourne for. And what were you doing in Melbourne? I worked for this company that was uh, did car finance. 
In the case of like of car finance, yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you enjoy that? Uh, I love living in Melbourne. I could move back there. You could move back there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great city. Um, I mean, it's a big AFL city. It's yeah, yeah, AFL. Yeah, you and your AFL. Yeah, like my Richmond Tigers. Oh yeah, yeah. Three out of the last four years. So yeah, after a huge drought. Um, Buddy Franklin, does he still play for the Richmond Tigers? No, he play. He plays for the Swans. Oh okay. He used to play for Wolfhorn. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. But um, did they, did you get a team? Did they anyone make this for a team? Well, I lived in South Melbourne. Um, so there's quite a few Swan supporters there. Yeah, okay. So the old South Melbourne Swans that obviously moved yeah. to Sydney in the 80s, I think. Yeah. yeah, so there's a few. So I sort of... And maybe, maybe the Demons a little bit. Yeah. Just because I sort of lived close to the town, lived to the city. Yeah. So I lived at uh, St Kilda a little bit as well. Yeah. Sort of halfway to St Kilda. Yeah, so you're what you really, really liked it. So how long were you living over there for? About a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so it seemed like longer, but yeah, it was only a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then back here, or no? I moved to Perth after that. But <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> I've been to Perth only once, and uh, it's a lovely. It's I reckon it's a lovely place. I don't know. I mean, it might be different to live there, but um. Uh, the, I mean, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. And it's beautiful in the sense of like. You know, the weather is always nice and, the, you know, the, the, the kind of, all the bars have, like, nice big yeah. outdoor areas yeah. and the women get dressed up very nicely and... Yeah, uh looks after their appearance is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah people are, um, people are a bit scruffy. So I'm guessing you're there for about a year or two. Just, 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 <laughs> yeah. just going through what Yeah, yeah, the sequence, yeah. Two years. Two years? And what yeah. are you doing there? Uh, I worked for the same company. Can't yeah, find yeah, the head office was in Perth, so okay. went back to the head office and uh, yeah. But yeah, Perth, Perth is great. Um, problem with Perth is it's so goddamn far away from everything else. Oh, it is. It's a six-hour flight on a plane yeah. from, from anywhere on the east. Yeah. Side. Um, so it's a, it's always a decent plane right each way. It's so it's a yeah. lot closer to Brisbane to Queenstown than it is. Yeah, three and a half hour direct flight here. Yeah, you know, six hours from there to to, to, to uh, Perth. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so and um, by the time you've flown back to New Zealand, you, you could have flown anywhere in the world, pretty oh, much yeah, yeah, exactly. from Perth. Yeah, um, like you've flown to Dubai or somewhere. It's that far away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So after that, do you back here now, or after that? Or That's you... when I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay, so I was twenty six. So you came back. You, yeah, eight years around the place. Yeah, uh, been at uni, so decided okay. It's uh, what motivate what what sort of was the I guess the moment you said okay, oh, this is what I'm going to be good at. Yeah, this is um, what I want to do, and I'm going to go and do it. Well, I just noticed I noticed that lawyers seem to be very useful people. Yeah, and I wanted to do have something that was useful. Yeah. Um. So I thought. Being a lawyer would be the way to go. So back to Dunedin? Wellington. Wellington. Yeah. Okay. Went to Wellington. Um, so you lived there while you were, while you were studying? Or yeah, guess? yeah, I lived there, yeah. Yeah, that's when I met my partner Christine as well. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in Victoria Law School, yeah, they teach via this, have you heard of the Socratic method? Socratic? I mean, I couldn't... Um, I've heard of it, and this, I, yeah. I can't sort of put my mouth as to yeah, so, explaining it. Socratic's like, so uh, Socrates yeah. uh, would teach by asking questions. And, yeah. And then, um, so it's a sort of a method of teaching, ask questions, and then there's sort of a dialogue between the person and the audience. And, yeah. And so with the Socratic method, yeah, the, the lecturer is sitting there with a big chart yeah. of where everybody... Uh, sits yep. so you've got to sit in the same seat every lecture every, for the whole semester that's different yeah. um, and then the idea is basically they'll go uh, so judge so and so's uh, reason that uh, this uh, what was the basis of that reason and then they go Scott 
and you sit there like you know you have so you have to be constantly prepared to answer the questions of course yeah so that means you're uh gonna do all the readings lest you be sort of humiliated by (laughs) so the reason i'm explaining that is that uh at the outset you've got to be really selective about where (laughs) where you sit like you know the first where they do the seating chart yeah yeah. so i was sort of like scanning around going who am i going to sit next to and then i was like oh she looks all right so I sat next to her, Christine, and then consequently we sort of... So she was doing more at the same time. Yeah, so you sort of, I had a, I had a captive market for the whole mm. period, and then, uh, so that was about, what, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 13 years ago. Yeah, whatever it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, you did, then you did your uni degree, then yeah. you were doing work, working whilst you were at uni? I, I actually, uh, for a while, I worked on this... Um, Thing called a have you, have you seen one of those children's rides it's like a trampoline bungee so the kid oh, yeah, is jumping yeah. up and down on a trampoline and he's got uh, like bungee cords attached to the side of him right okay. I, think, I think I've seen that <laughs> so yeah I worked for on one of those for a while there's a part time job just at Wellington in Wellington yeah, yeah Wellington, Wellington uh, waterfront um it was quite good. Yeah, okay. So three or four years there at uni, I guess? Four years. Yeah, four yeah. years. And, yeah. And then out of that, um, so, and obviously wanting to then work in, in the space of law, you know, yeah. coming out of uni, that's what usually yeah. happens, I guess. You can get to that point, you start that's somewhere right. after that. Yeah. So where, where did you first start? In the cargo. It's when so I'm... back to, back to where <laughs> yeah, board, yeah? Yeah, Came full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Plenty of people told me that uh, the way to get any get good experience in the law is to go out to a regional law firm. So I went down to Invercargill and uh, worked down there as a lawyer for five years. Mm-hmm. So down there for five years. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's when I sort of learned the ropes. Yeah, and obviously yeah. your partner was with you at the yeah, 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 I dragged her down to Invercargill. Um, and, uh, what, did, what was she doing as far as work? Was she working with, um, in law? No, nah, she she works as a planner, town planner. Okay. Yeah, still does. So she worked for Invercargill City Council. Yeah. Um, and then she. Well, I just thought that'd be quite an interesting job, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it appeals to some people. Yeah. I want to know how they sort of would operate and be you know, interesting. Um, so down there for five years, um, just doing general stuff, a bit of everything in law or anything? Yeah, like a bit of conveyancing and yeah. uh, estates, um, but a sort of uh, commercial usual, law to some extent, sort of yeah, stuff, fairly yeah. general. Um, didn't really, didn't do any criminal, no mm. employment or... No litigation, really, but yep. just the sort of run-of-the-mill sort of mum and dad sort of stuff, really. Yeah. 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 And then, so, so I guess after five years, that's when you finally moved to Queenstown, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's when I moved to Queenstown. So what was uh, what prompted the move? Uh, just, at, you know, obviously you wanted another change away from Invercargill? Or? Yeah. Partly that. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt my sort of... Yeah. It was, you never really, is it the, was it the first time you lived in Queenstown, was it? When I moved up here this yeah, time? Yeah, No, well, I, I, when I oh, yeah, you did, did that stint. You, you yeah. there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just looking for something a bit more exciting, really. Yeah. A bit more of a, I guess, a different dynamic sort of place. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, plenty to, you know, I suppose there's always plenty to do. Yeah, there's that. I mean, I I did like living in Invercargill because the thing about Invercargill is that it is um, people really value you, and they value you here. But you're a bit more disposable in a, in a city. Probably, yeah. Probably Queenstown is a bit. I've got that community thing, but yeah. You know, you, you turn up in an organisation in Invercargill, it's a sports club or whatever, and, you know, that they really try to keep you there. 
Yeah. Um, so I sort of felt like when I left in Chicago, I was abandoning <laughs> that a little bit because you sort of feel like, yeah. I mean, it, you grow up there, go back there to live there. Yeah. I can, I can imagine that, you know, it really feels like home a bit. Doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. And it was a totally different place to the way where, where I left. And it's one of those places where, well, it's one of those situations, I mean, you might feel like you're still attached to that place. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Maybe you've got family there, I'm not sure. But yeah, mum and dad still live there. So it, there's always going to be an attachment to, to a place, no matter what, what that place is. Yeah, like, is, definitely, you know? yeah. Where did you grow up? Uh, Tasmania. Uh, oh, my okay. first 21 years in Tassie. Oh, yeah. When my dad was a bank manager, we just sort of um, moved around the state quite a lot of that time. And oh, yeah. Did my uni at the University of Tasmania, and then I moved up yeah. to Brisbane. Oh, yeah. And then I was, you know, 20, 21 years in Brisbane, and yeah, now here. You're thinking about taking a trip to Tasmania, actually. It's nice. It's yeah. good. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I really got the motivation to go back there, because a lot of the families left, but... Um, yeah. Um, it was it's, it was good to go back there, you know, when my grandparent both both my grandparents um, were there and stuff yep. like that. So um, it was good. Oh yeah, Charlie. Oops, I mentioned earlier he's Tasmanian actually. Okay. Maybe yeah. Maybe I don't know where I've heard that. You should you should interview him. Yeah, I'll put him down on the list. Yeah. <laughs> put him down on the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It was at AWS Legal, the first legal job here in town you got then? Or? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I sort of knew a few of the... So did you, were they, you working for the same crowd down in um, in Vicago? Were they AWS down there? No, different else? different firm. Different firms. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So how did you sort of uh, come across that uh, opportunity uh, there with, uh, I guess, the guy I interviewed a few days ago? He would have, he would have been uh, Phil Wilson. Yeah. He would have obviously uh, been your boss or when you first... Yeah, yeah. Well, I sort of worked yeah, with Phil. Phil was sort of moving towards retirement. And, yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, sort of the idea was to sort of work out sort of a succession arrangement, which yeah. uh, was, yeah, really well, worked really well. Phil was, uh, sometimes uh, lawyers don't retire that graciously, but <laughs> Phil, Phil did, you know, he's a really, he's a real stand-up guy. Yeah. Phil, um, very uh, principled sort of guy. Yeah, uh, we obviously listened to his podcast, but he had yeah. very good, um, I guess, a, you know, a good background and then to step into law as well. So yeah, uh, but I guess this is probably about your experiences. So obviously working there, it's a, it's a fairly um, close knit team there. I guess at AWS Legal, they're obviously well around, well known around town. Um, how have you sort of found the? You know, you, you seem to be involved quite a bit in the business community. You, yeah. Obviously, we've spoke about the uh, Queenstown Chamber of Commerce. Um, did you get on to that Chamber of Commerce uh, pretty? Uh, pretty soon after moving here, or yeah, yeah, um, I think it was about six months in. The um, I I was actually pretty fortunate to get on there. Really, the way that it used to work, it's just, we've changed it since. But you used to go along to an AGM and make a a two-minute speech about why people should vote for you. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite competitive, actually, to get it's on there. There's a, I mean, it's good there's quite a bit of competition on the board. Or to get yeah. On the board. I think, I mean, yeah, I think the last time when I um, first saw the voting or whatever, the AGM, you know, I think only half the candidates could really get in. Yeah, that's, which is unusual, actually. Yeah. It's sort of... You know those community boards. You tend to have to <laughs> round people up, but um, so I, I got on there. I probably didn't have a tremendous claim at the time, but I made a very good speech. Okay. You never underestimate the power of a good speech. Uh, and then I uh, got on, um, and then I sort of recognised that I probably. 
you know, needed to be a bit more committed to it than, than, you know, I realised I needed to make a decent commitment to it by kind of really making myself aware of all of the issues and talking to as many people as I could and uh, uh, try and read as much background about the issues and commit it, you know, do as much as I can simply because I, I didn't have a lot of credibility at the time in town. Yeah. So I sort of that's what I've worked at in the last couple of years. So just meeting as many people as I can and yeah. going to as many of the events as I can and you know, just, just trying to support the chamber and, you know, generally promote it as yeah. much as I can. Um no. I guess with the chamber, once you sort of get onto the board, which you you obviously been on um is it for how long you've been on the board for? About two years. Two years, okay. Yeah. So coming up two years. Yeah. So being on the board, I mean, and now that you've sort of got to this position where you're like the, in the paper, they said you're two IC. Yeah. So um, I guess as on a, if you sort of look at a weekly, your hours in a week, how many hours would you spend on chamber activities? Ah, oh, not not that much really. Probably yeah. half a day. No. No, just a few hours. Yeah, maybe if you're an like, hour. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> reading the board papers and things, and yeah, yeah, uh, meetings do take up a bit of time, but yeah, it's not a huge commitment time-wise. Um, it seems like a really good mix of people on the board. I mean, we could go on about the board forever, but there seems like a, a right sort of mix of people there. Great mix of people, yeah, yeah, and there's, you know, I think the measure of a good board is. You can go along there and sometimes have your 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 mind changed about things. Okay. And that happens to me all the time. Like I, you know, I thought I had a view about something. Yeah. And then I walked out of it and I was wrong about that. You know, I thought, yeah, I, my your views kind of develop. Whereas mm. you you have a you have a group that doesn't work so well, mm. and people sort of just get entrenched in their own views and not yeah. talking to each other. And I think that comes from actually the people on there being. Um, like genuine, real yep. genuine people. Yeah, they're not people who are trying to play a role. They're just people who are genuinely want to do. You know, they see value in the business community for what it brings to town, and they want to. I mean, people have got their own interests, obviously, but um, no, it's, it's a great group of people. Yeah. 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 yeah no, that's good. Um, so I guess as far as. Um, other activities that you get up to the to at the moment. Yeah. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Tell us about uh, when you first got involved in that. Um, I've always really liked martial arts. Yeah. Um, just uh, the, the whole kind of tradition and the, the kind of wisdom behind it mm-hmm. really appeals to me. So how long, when, when did you first start? Um, I did, uh, I did this, I did, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu for a couple of years when I lived in Perth. Yeah, okay. So back um, in the 20s, yeah. Yeah, and then I... Because I played cricket. Yep. Cricket is so goddamn time-consuming. Yeah. Um, so your whole Saturday, and then, you know, two, two three trainings a week. Yeah. Two trainings a week. And then uh, I played football in the winter still, so I didn't really have any time to do jiu-jitsu. Yep. And then when I moved to Queenstown and I stopped playing cricket... I got straight back into it and uh, haven't looked back. Okay. Yeah. So as far as um, you sort of what you like a blue belt or white blue belt, belt. Blue yeah. belt. yeah, yeah. So uh, that's it's obviously an achievement. Obviously, you know you do it enough times and yeah, get out there and look, get the experience. Um, yeah, it's good to see. And I've, I've got a lot of family that that are into um, you know their martial arts and. Yeah, train at a friend's gym over in Brisbane. Um, so yeah, that's it's. I find it quite interesting. Um, but I, so the it's a you, the gym that do you, what are the gyms that you go to for, for BJJ here? Carlson Gracie. Carlson Gracie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a guy called uh, Jose Gomez. Yeah, and uh, he's a brilliant. Actually, he's he would make a very good interview. What's his name? I wrote it down. Jose Gomez. Yeah, I might have I might have mentioned him before. I'm not yeah, sure, he's a but... brilliant guy. He's such a fantastic yeah. guy. What's, just yeah. just oozes enthusiasm and remem- remembers everybody's name that he meets and yeah. really interested in people and 
like a, a typical Sunday, you said I think you go there on a Sunday to do a bit of training in the morning. Yeah. Um, how many people would usually show up on a Sunday? On a Sunday? Oh, 15. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's not like overly crowded. No. We do, I mean, I mean, there's training every night and yeah. usually there's 20. So you go there at night sometimes as well? Yeah, I go there. So try to get, try to get three or four a week. Yeah, so that's pretty dedicated, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've been, you, you, you do cop injuries a fair bit when you get to your late 30s. <laughs> yeah, I noticed uh, you, when I saw you once, you had a bit of a black eye or something. Yeah, and yeah. I, was, I think I asked you how you got it, and you said, I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so. Yeah, yeah. I, it is, I mean, you, you t- uh, I get injured a fair bit because I'm, yeah, you twist your knee. Or, yeah, it's not like a violent sort of thing. I think it's, yeah. you know, it's... Well, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be, really. It, it is, yeah. So you shouldn't get injured that often. Not doing... Occasionally you'll get a black eye or something, yeah. but it's well, not as many goes astray. Doing something other than, yeah, just normal grappling. And... Yeah, grappling, it shouldn't, you shouldn't do yourself any injuries, really, but occasionally knees are, knees are the only one that people really... Yeah, and I've got, I mean, I've got... Both my knees have been surgically repaired, I think. Oh, really? Like, so, I mean, I have done a bit of BJJ, my yeah. I mean, I should probably go down and check this. Yeah, you definitely out. should. Yeah. Do the fundamentals I do have, course. I do have a gi, so... Uh, oh, do it, you? Is it usually gi or no gi on a Sunday? Oh, uh, mix it up. Mix it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But no, I, I think it's uh, great. Um, good. It's a good sort of... It's. I think from what I've seen and what it does to a lot of people um, is, is basically they, they really sort of get in better shape as far as uh, yeah. not so much they don't bulk up so much it's more of a case that they lose or lose all the excess flab and well, a bit of that you know just by doing a lot of BJJ and, yeah I, I think the biggest advantage of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is the kind of mental development yeah. that you have yeah like it's the thing about Jiu Jitsu is that you, you can't really walk into a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym with too much of an ego, yeah. You'll lose it pretty quick. Yeah, somebody's gonna hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's right. You don't want to be you. And uh, so you sort of learn to leave your ego out of the picture. Yeah. Um, and you actually have to, yeah, because you have to do. Th- if you're just the thing about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu compared with a lot of martial arts is you're actually rolling all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So you're actually sparring. Yeah. Um, and if you just went in there all the time, going, "Oh, what a win!" You know, trying to submit people, you won't learn anything. No, you got to sure. just, you got to take, you got to learn, and you got to find yourself getting choked out by somebody you think might be better. Yeah, it might not be as good as you. Yeah. You, you, so, and the other thing is, you really. The, the, we might have been talking about this the other day actually but you really have to uh, you put yourself into a situation where somebody's tying you in knots and they've yeah. got you in a headlock and they're pushing your arm behind your back and it's hurting and, but you gotta you can't panic No. if you panic you'll lose you gotta just think about alright what is the next step yeah. What am I going to do with that leg? What am I going to do with that leg? What am I trying to do here? And you, 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 your brain moves out of that sort of red mist mm. and into like just um, being detached mm. from what's going on. And if you take that kind of lesson of being detached, mm. thinking in a detached kind of way yeah. into like your everyday kind of life, there's a lot of benefit in that. Yeah, okay. Not actually reacting to something that's happening. You know, you're pissed off, you're angry. So you reckon but, that you get less angry? Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. There's a great line in um, uh, the movie Fight Club where, uh, um, I forget the exact phrase, but it's like when you're fighting, when you fight regularly, the noise, the, the volume on everything else gets turned down a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, you suddenly like these sort of things that you thought were big issues sort of just melt away a little bit. Yeah, because the thing is, yeah, you, you get 
caught into these sort of patterns of thinking. Yeah. You know, you sort of ruminate over things and yeah, yeah. and um you don't realize that that's sort of driving your whole thought processes and how you're reacting to things and if you can kind of get away from that yeah get away from that thinking and just just remove yourself from the feeling mm. and i think jujitsu really helps you with that mm. yeah that makes sense mm. So, um, that, that's good. Uh, so, Toastmasters and Rotary obviously involved in a few other bits, you know, things. Yeah. And I don't know how you've got time for everything, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't really. <laughs> um, so, tell me about your, because well, obviously I'm part of the Rotary Club. Yeah. T- tell me how you sort of first become involved uh, with the Rotary Club. I, um, I have to admit that I'm a very average Rotarian. The thing is, an average Rotarian is still is still a Rotarian. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, so th- there was this. Um, so I'm in the Toastmasters Club. Yeah. And do you know Johnny? Johnny Quinn. What's his name Johnny. Johnny Quinn. I don't know how I don't know that name. Yeah, he's a good man. Yeah, you should catch up with him. He. Um, yeah. So him and I are in the Toastmasters Club, and. Um, he we were asked to come along and speak to Rotary. Yep. Because there's this kind of How long ago was that? Um must have been about six or seven months ago, something like so that. Not too long. Yeah. yeah. And then um so we went along and there was this sort of alliance or some sort of relationship between Toastmasters and Rotary where there's sort of some cross pollination sort of thing going on. So yeah. we got asked to come along and speak, and then we came along and spoke. Yep, Johnny and I, mm-hmm. and then Leanne, um, as you know, yeah, Leanne hounded me, <laughs> <laughs> which was good. I mean, that's kind of that's why she's done, you know, she's done so well is that she really, you know, takes an interest in individual people, and yeah, um, so she got me along, and uh, I thought, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been along to a few meetings and some great people there. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah, good club. Yeah, they love taking the piss out of each other. There's... You need, that. You need some, absolutely. You yeah, need especially the old got there. You know, the... Yeah, a lot of lot of knowledge there. A lot of oh, a lot of history, wisdom, a lot of knowledge. And... Yeah, yeah, I can and... see it. And see what's it's a good hub for, for that. And uh, I look forward to you know seeing how it all sort of evolves over over time. Yeah. Um, How long have you? When did you? Uh, just as we moved, we in yeah. September we sort of joined we, up pretty much straight away because oh, yeah. um, we'd been to in the past when we'd been here on holidays, yeah. we'd actually been to a couple of Rotary events like a, a changeover dinner and oh, okay. um, helped them with a the, the little in the winter thing a couple of years ago. They had that duck race, so I oh, actually yeah. bought, a, bought a duck in the duck race and yeah, yeah. actually won, so I donated the prize back to them. Oh, good on you, yeah. All that sort of stuff. So, yeah. no, it was a good involvement and, you know, great club. Yeah. So, uh, Toastmasters. So, tell us a bit about Toastmasters and how did you first get involved in that? And it's, it's obviously a lot to do with developing speaking and stuff like that as well. as Tell us what else you sort of get up to. Yeah, so, <laughs> Toastmasters is this. It's... It's a public speaking club. Yeah. All, people of all sorts of different backgrounds meet up at various clubs. It's an international organisation. Yeah. Something like 300,000 members or something. Yeah. So it meets at the same time as Rotary, is that? That's every yeah. week, is it? Or every every first and third Tuesday yeah. of each month. Yeah. Um, and you... You go along and it's a, a very organised sort of schedule. There's an agenda. So it's very, very... I mean, Rotary's usually pretty structured, but it's very structured. It's super way. structured, yeah. yeah. Yep. And you sign up, you, you do various um, roles. Your turn, your turn to speak about this, or is that, is that how they sort of... Yeah, work? yeah. So there's this thing, there's a sort of curriculum called Pathways that you can do. Yeah. And then you, you go through this... different projects within it. Yeah. Or, you, or, or not. Yeah. Sometimes people just say, "I've got a speech to practice," and uh, so that you're practicing your public speaking, and then there's evaluation. Yeah. Somebody who actually come up and say, 
here's what you do well, here's what you could do, improve on. So they, they basically adjudicate you in a way. Yeah. It, it, it's... Um, From within the club. Yeah, so there's, 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 so evaluation sort of an important part yeah. of what, what, yeah. what you do, like uh, you learn how to evaluate people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a big challenge, which is actually yeah, no, a big challenge. With, um, with Apex, which is what, what I... Yeah, you mentioned um, that once, yeah. Apex, one thing we, we uh, had a long history of, we was sort of um, high school debating. Right, so, yeah. so you, the club would basically turn up on a Monday um, after school, after work or whatever, and uh, you'd have three three straight hours of um, debating, and uh, you know this school debating against that school over this topic, you know, and and we're here adjudicating the, the speeches, basically yeah. just um, nice. yeah. judging them, putting a bit of a scorecard, looking you know, yeah. and after a while it just gets you know you, you know you've got a fairly good way of sort of working out. How good the rebuttal is, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that's quite one of the that's quite interesting you know, that that part of you know Apex. Um, yeah, I think you know Toastmasters sounds interesting. I'll have to come along one day. And, yeah, you uh, should. I know it's sort of at the same time as Rotary, so I'd have to yeah, to go it's very annoying. Week or something, but it's. It'd be, I think it'd be hard to be sort of part of both. To be honest, I mean, it is hard. Yeah. Uh, plus, then you got the chamber commitments and. Yeah. And uh, jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose we haven't really talked much about the, the thing that does take up most of my time, other than work, is is my uh, involvement with the with the ACT Party. Oh yes, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah we can talk about. <laughs> I was going to sort of mention that, but just it's amazing what we can get a conversation into. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so politically, uh, you obviously steer steer the way of the ACT Party. Which that's is, right. That's pretty similar to like a, I guess it's a different, just to explain to the people who are listening back in Australia who might be listening to this, I know people in New Zealand know what the ACT, the ACT Party is all about, I think. Um, but it's a, it's a sort of, the type of government would be best described, as, or the type of party, sorry, would be best described as being sort of liberal national, but at its own little or something yeah like well it's I mean it's libertarian party yeah um, probably in Australia that maybe the Lib Dems probably they're I mean, not really there though no I mean, has got to, to understand how big ACT is I mean in in the I guess the, the national the parliament of New Zealand how many what percentage of the uh, sitting members are ACT 7.6% percent yeah, ten, so, ten members. So, so sort of bigger than the Greens when you when you look at it like that. So yeah, although the Greens seem to have in if you compare yeah. it from Australia, I guess right, yeah, um, it'd be bigger. It'd be bigger than the One Nation parties, bigger than all, all those sort of other parties. That's right. Yeah, so it's getting to the point where it's probably the biggest that it's ever been in its history, political history. Correct me if I'm wrong. Very much. Yeah. So the leader David Seymour, isn't it? Yes. So David Seymour, uh, he came to town recently. I didn't get to go to it. I had something probably else on, but he was going around doing a bit of a tour. Went to Invercargill, I think. Went here, Wanaka. So you would obviously, you obviously would have been there and uh, right next to him when he's speaking, I guess. Not right next to him, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sitting in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were. Um, so yeah, tell us about that. How did you get involved, and and, and what uh, what's the motivation? Well, I. I'm a, 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 a liberal, proper yeah, liberal, yeah. small government, mm. maintaining individual rights, yeah. free speech, rule of law, yes. property rights, etc. Yeah. And I really think there's some of those things are, are really under threat. Yeah. Yeah. Property rights, very, I mean, consistently eroded. Landlord rights you're talking about? Or? Yeah, landlord rights and uh, yeah, the the right of people to do things on their land that they they like. Yeah. Um, and this question of of free speech, I mean, it's it's extraordinary to me that we're yeah. actually having a debate about whether or not free speech should be censored. Yeah. That's um, and this sort of subjective uh, rules that are being applied uh, that are being proposed. Mm. Um, and just a erosion of the quality of lawmaking. Yeah. 
erosion of um, parliamentary processes, Official Information Act constantly being sort of not applied. So that's the ability to get information out of the government. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it really worries me actually. You look at it, it's so obvious to me that economies which uh, have individual rights, property rights, as their guiding principles, do so much better. Yeah. Free markets, individual yep. choice, do yep. so much better. And societies which have big governments and with governments that dictate the rules and redistribute wealth and so on, mm. inevitably end up in catastrophic failure. Mm. And the history is, the 20th century is just absolutely replete with examples of that. And yet we're so just cr- gradually just willingly drifting into that sort of scenario. And yet, although you might say, well, okay, the Labour Party is, you know, they're, they're not Nicolas Maduro. They're not um, uh, Lenin. They, um, well, they're not Fidel Castro, but they are creating the sort of mechanisms that allow people like that to take the to to take powerful positions. Mm. That's what it is. That's 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 a problem with socialism. The problem yeah. with socialism is not the people that think it's a great idea at the outset. Yeah. The problem is that you create this mechanism yeah. by which people with nefarious intentions take over, yeah. and that's so obvious to me that that's what's happening. And. I, and I don't see any other party other than the ACT Party yep. is genuinely creating opposition to that. Yep. So I will do whatever I can to yep. try and get the ACT Party is in, into the seat of power. Yep. Or at least have a genuine position to criticise some of those sort of trends. Yep. So the, the, the way that I got into it was I during the lockdown... Last year. Last year, I was sitting in my... Were you a supporter before then? I guess you were. Yeah, I was a supporter before that. But um, in lockdown, I decided... I'm going to... I'm sick of (laughs) sitting on my uh, hands here. I need to do something. So I rang rang up the ACT Party and I said, can I do a... um, I suppose, what would you call it? Like a panel sort of... A, a sort of Q&A with David Seymour and they said yeah no worries so they, here in Queenstown here in Queenstown yeah. so this was when during the lockdown yep. so on, we did it on the Zoom yep got in David Seymour and I sort of advertised it around town and I ended up getting it was about 100 people in Queenstown on the Zoom um, and then I just sort of asked for questions and uh went through a series of questions with them and uh, went fantastically well. Yeah. And then someone called me up from the ACT Party and said, uh, do you want to be a candidate in the election? And I... I that's a big... Uh, well, it isn't really because... Well, that's a, it's a big achievement for someone to get asked, you know, I think, to yeah, understand... You know, it's really. actually not really because... Why? <laughs> because... Uh, the ACT Party doesn't win any electorates. doesn't even get anywhere near. You're basically just a name. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but they needed, you know, you, you, you're not just a name. You, you, need, you need somebody who's going to be able to answer questions, yeah. but it's not yeah. like, uh, it's, it's, some of the candidates are for smaller political parties and regional electorates are, uh, this is going to be, sound a bit cruel, but they're they're not of the highest grade. Um, yeah, no, I see. So I mean, you see a lot of those candidates everywhere. I mean, they're just there to fill in numbers. Yeah, it's, exactly. It feels like they're there to fill in numbers. You know, yeah, it's going to be this candidate versus this candidate. Yeah, it's going to be that candidate, and no one else is going to be exactly. that candidate. Yeah, yeah. And until the until the time you know where it gets close one time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, the warriors like. Uh, to, to, to get into to get into government, the ACT Party needs the National Party. Yeah. And if it, the, the risk of... The, the only place that the ACT Party is going to be successful is one where it's a 
that where the, uh, there's a strong right wing vote. Yeah. And if you ran a really good campaign with a really good candidate, it's actually a risk that you'll take the vote off the national candidate and then consequently you'll split the vote and then the, the Labour Party candidate will, will, will yeah, come in. It's a different so, political system. They should be able to, um, I guess, uh, transferable. Put, put the votes together like they do in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Um, you know, your preferences, you look, okay, well, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, and then you work up from there. It's and definitely so, a better system, yeah, because you don't get that vote split. people that uh, win win seats in Australia, thirty one percent of a primary vote, um, yeah. they get the um, independents and all these other people will give them, you know, say you've got basically a two party system, yeah, in a way. But um, you know, the Labor Party might have had a forty percent vote, you might have thirty one, and then the, basically the preferences are going to thirty one, yeah. And all of a sudden they're in, even though they're you know, fair way 9% behind of the primary vote. So yeah. that's, a, that's the, you don't, I mean, they created it's, some it's probably about 10, 10 to 15% of seats are won that way in Australia. Yes, yeah. That, that, I remember there was some reforms about 10 years ago, wasn't there? Because there was one election where there was all sorts of little minor candidates that got in from the oh, there was, the, um, the yeah, motor, there was motor the Senate, vehicles. The Senate was a mess. The Senate, yeah. The Senate was an absolute mess, and the funny story, yeah, there was a, the Australian motoring enthusiast. That's party, right, yeah. Um, so one of my friends was actually one of the founders of that party. Oh, really? Um, but, and he, he should have been in a position to be able to, you know, probably earn some money, you know, in Canberra, if, if they, got, they got one seat. Yeah. For three years, or however long it was, three, you know, in the Senate. Um, but I don't know. He somehow got shafted by, by his own people. He got, oh, really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. So and then he got out of it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I guess with that, anything else you want to sort of add with the with with politics or anything like that, as far as. Um. No, I, th- I suppose I didn't really get on to. Uh, what happened after that? Okay. I, yeah, so I, t- I turned down being a candidate. Yeah. Um, yeah sorry, we got stuck there, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. And then I, um, and then there was a, a by-election for the South Island representative on the board of the Act Party, and that's I decided I'd go for that role. Yep. And then um, so there was an election process, and then I got uh, elected into that. Okay, so that's something you're currently doing at the moment. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well done. Um, so that takes up a fair bit of time. Just I don't know how you need time. To, to, no, to no, do no, I don't, yeah. Even on a Saturday morning, I'm pretty happy just to get an, an hour of your time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't have kids, so... Yeah, well, that, that, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. Yeah, if I had kids, it would be, you know, if I'd have to run around and pick them up from school and all that sort of carry on. And, yep. and I don't have any kids. I've got a couple of pets. Couple, yeah. Got a dog. So, um, yeah, that's why I have a lot of time, really. <laughs> yeah, no, I can Do, see that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have any kids? No, no. no, I'm like you. I don't have, we don't have any kids. And Yeah. Um, there's something that, you know, I guess in my life it sort of hasn't really, hasn't really occurred a couple of different reasons, but, yeah, yeah. It hasn't occurred, so. Yeah. You reckon it will at some point? Or... No, not for me, no. Oh, really? I, well... I don't think so. I yeah. Mean, I think we're getting a bit too old now. So, oh, yeah. How old are you? Um, 40, just over 43. And oh, yeah. just a little bit younger, a couple of years younger. So, oh, okay. So. Yeah. What about yourself? 38. <laughs> no, as far as... Oh, I have kids. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. So it's still not too late yet? Well, Christine is uh, quite a lot younger than me. Oh. She's 31. Oh, okay. So, Definitely. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of... Me a she was like 18 when you were 26 or in that sort of Yeah, thing. exactly, yeah. So yeah. you got at the right time. Yeah, yeah, so gave me plenty of breathing space. Yeah, well, <laughs> certainly there's some, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So if it does happen, you'll, I don't know, you have to cut a few things out, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah, I know, yeah, well, that's probably why I keep sort of postponing it, really, because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, what am I going to cut out? Um, well, you're not yeah. one thing, you want to have to cut out two things. Yeah, that. I know, yeah. So I'm worried I'll probably have to cut out jujitsu. Really? Well, yeah, you still got a bit of time to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll get a black belt in that time, but 
<laughs> What's the next one up after blue? Purple. Purple. Yeah. That's, that's what you should be shooting for. Yeah, oh, it'll be another couple of years for them. <laughs> I'm in that zone. Um, I, don't know, I don't think I've got too much. We've been actually going for an hour. Oh, have we? Lot, so that's probably oh, yeah. the one I've done for a while. Yeah. But uh, no, it's been fun. Um, certainly, no, it's been good to catch up. We, if there's other, we might do another podcast somewhere down the track if you've got time, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, to, to, to catch up and see what else has been happening you know, over time. But that's thank you very much for your time, Scott. Um, that's pretty much all we've really got uh, time for as far as the podcast is concerned. Yeah. So I do thank you for that, and we'll get this uh, shared up and to all your listeners, and hopefully we'll have a bit of a... Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I so, enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you. Man. All right. Thank you.